The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In today's economic climate, it's very hard to know what to do with your money. Every financial move is a choice. Sometimes they are good choices, and you will reap the rewards of success. Sometimes there are bad choices, which can leave you in financial ruin if you make too many. Welcome to Money, Jobs, Health, and Other Things of Life with Gordon Bennett. Our program will help you to make the good choices and avoid the bad. Now, here is Gordon Bennett. Welcome to the show. This is Gordon Bennett. We're talking again about money, which is near and dear to all of our heart, something about jobs, which all of us want to have, and our health, which we need to preserve at every cost. With me today is a gentleman I frankly am perplexed as to how to introduce him. I saw the initials after his name, and there are a whole bunch of them. So let me just turn this over to Jeff Williams, who's an expert in, I would guess, student loans, how you can conquer your student loans uh, in today's economy. Jeff, what would you say, first and foremost, is the problem? Uh, the, the problem, I think, is um, similar to what people ran into with mortgages and uh, adjustable rate mortgages a lot of times is they tend to sort of see the shiny object, I guess you'll say. And and in that case, it was a nice home or a bigger home. In this case, it's go to school and have fun. And um, they forget to really sort of learn what it's going to cost them. <laughs> well, that, that sums basic. it up. Yes. And they really don't have a good plan on how they're going to pay for that cost, either during or after. Well, I started reading your book, and I was impressed with the thing that has been near and dear to my heart. I have said for a long time that if you don't have some goals, you don't have anything. You know, the old vacation adage, if any place will do, uh, any place will get you there. And so I'm going to let you just talk about some of the things that students ought to do to prevent this uh, catastrophic debt that they're facing sure sure i um i have a whole bunch of things and they're they're sort of longer term plans not just specifically how to pay that back but but more so um things you can do in high start in high school and and uh i even came up with one little um one little item you can ask your parents or maybe grandparents is uh if you learn a little bit in high school about financial education accounts a lot of times they call them Coverdale or um, 529s or prepaid tuition credit accounts. Um, 
and you see you want to go to college, uh, maybe tell your parents as you start learning more financials and things, um, a contest I'm running in, in schools is to increase your net. And what I mean by that is take a look at all the income sources you have or other ways you can get other income sources or increase those sources and also look at every single expense and ways to, in, to decrease that. And the difference, higher income, lower expense, will get you a higher net income, which is the whole crux of the contest, who can get the higher, who can increase their net more. Um, and so maybe you could say you will go through their, your family's budget and uh, work on both sides, income and expense, and uh, they'll put a portion of whatever increase you can increase the net income into your education account. And that's a way to start early on in high school is to building up money to cover college in that case, and you can get all kinds of tax advantages with those accounts I mentioned. And um, uh, then you're preparing beforehand. You're getting earnings on those dollars, and those earnings are tax-free. Um, you know, when you mentioned that, uh, it occurred to me that I know when I was growing up, nobody was allowed to talk about money. You know, we money was something we just had, but we didn't know where it came from or how we spent it, and I certainly didn't know anything about my parents' finances. I think we have to get over that attitude because we need to start educating people very early in life about the ins and outs of money. Um, right. Is, is that one of the things we have to do? It's definitely uh, something I stress heavily. I, I've spoken in different uh, high schools and uh, colleges, but I think you need to start in high school, and um, that's one of the things I advocate with uh, uh, curriculums is that um, we've got a few too many maybe histories or ge- uh, geographies or maths or whatever that gets you into advanced calculus or something, but you may not know how to go down and open up a checking and balance it. <laughs> and I think it's pretty obvious which one you're going to use more in life. Uh, we, we skip a lot of those things, and um, it definitely has to, to start. And in my, in my mind, you can pick it up in high school and, like I just said, earn the income size, the expense size, and that, and even go a step further in net worth, uh, meaning assets, um, liabilities, and the net. Um, those kinds of concepts are not real difficult to learn, but the earlier you learn them, the less you're going to be faced with you you are completely lost at. (laughs) I have been a great advocate of education. A lot of people spend a fortune on their own education, which lets them earn a living, but they don't spend any time or other resources or money learning about how to use that money wisely and how they can avoid some of the pitfalls pitfalls of life. And that really has to start very early. Uh, I'm a great believer in schools teaching things uh, starting about the eighth grade. Uh, what about careers? Uh, careers, I, I say look at them early, too, especially with the increase in college costs now. Um, the trade schools and other specialty kinds of schools that you can look at in addition to or outside of uh, a traditional college become options now, especially when you start looking at, um, I, I encourage people to do, do things like um, uh, intern or job shadow, they call it, or uh, just tryouts. 
at different kinds of things you're interested in and you're good at to find out both of those things, if you are actually good at it and if you like it once you've done it a while and is there a long-term demand for that? So if you go, if that needs a college degree or a particular degree, can you get a payback, uh, a return on investment from what you're going to spend to get that um, that degree or that diploma of some kind? Um, and if not, you need to rethink that because knowing what you're going to have in it now, dollar-wise, you've got to look at that long-term demand potential. Uh, that's certainly good advice. There's a uh, I talked to a gentleman a few weeks ago, and he said the largest major in college campuses, over 50% of sophomores have a major as undeclared. That adds to a lot of expense before someone starts to think about making a little bit of money. Right, right. And, and there, like you said, there's lots of those folks. And then when you start seeing, uh, you saw some of the stats I had pulled on um, student loan debt, when you start seeing those uh, $25,000, $26,000 of student loan debt on the average graduate over the whole country in 2012, um, that's a pretty good chunk of change that you, it's usually about six months after you get out that you have to start paying back. Um, it, they're, they're big numbers now. Well, you know, when we shop for an automobile, we know how much it's going to cost and we know how long it's going to take to pay for it. And uh, we need to do the same thing with uh, student loans. I mean, they have to be paid back. It's money that you've borrowed. And I think some people are just oblivious to how expensive that really is. Uh, I've, I've often said people spend more time brushing their teeth than they spend educating themselves about bucks. It's, it's something many don't know, um, and probably most don't know, actually, is I know some people that just said, you know, if, if I can't find something, I'll just file bankruptcy and, and get rid of it. And most don't know you can't get rid of student loan debt in bankruptcy. And it, it you know, I happen to be an attorney, too, and I was going to open a bankruptcy practice, but that's one of the three main areas that you cannot get rid of. They're not discharged, they call it, in the Chapter 7 liquidation bankruptcy. I've heard there's some move afoot to change that. Is that true? Um, they talk a little bit about it, but I haven't heard anything serious, meaning those are, all, those are political cards played here and there. But... Um, uh, there's a reason they've kept it there the whole time, let's say. <laughs> well, yeah, I I personally, my own value uh, set says that if you borrow money, you've got to pay it back. So you really should start with the assumption that you're going to have to pay back that money. And if right. you incur, incur $25,000 worth of debt, well, how long will you finance a car for at that money? Five years? Seven years? Take it from there. Exactly, yeah. And usually you get, I, a lot of them are about 10 years for the student loan debt, so it's you know a little lower amount. But but the other factor, I guess, that, that has come into play, and it was into play earlier this year, was the um, interest rate on those uh, government-backed, which are the large part of them, uh, student loans was going to double, uh, where it had cut in half for, what was it, five years, I think, um, and it was uh, running out in July 1, and then they went down to the wire and basically extended it a year, as I remember. Um, 
but that clock's ticking again. And so next uh, end of June 2013, I think, is probably when it expires again. And obviously with this fiscal cliff in the next several hours uh, or a few days, you don't know what's going to happen with that or the student loan thing, because if they don't do something with it again, um, that rate actually doubles uh, mid-next year. And if I remember right, I think it's about $1,000 a year in payment for the average loan. It was, was their, um, their average estimate that they had put out, meaning anybody that has an average amount of student loan on the, that's on their books would pay about $1,000 extra with that increase in interest Wow! per year. Uh, is they, do they report the student loan performance to the credit bureaus? I believe so. I believe they are. And the one thing, here's an interesting piece I picked up before I did uh, another uh, another radio show back a ways, is just before I got on, I happened to see on, I think it, it was something that I get, one of the news services, and um, the uh, one of the, the, the main student loan groups had started um, garnish, basically garnishing Social Security retirement checks from yeah, I remember people that, that had yeah. retired because many t- many times it wasn't actually their own debt, but they had co-signed for a son, daughter, or grandson or daughter that has defaulted on the student loan, and they had been, for the first time, that uh, they had basically hardly ever done it, they had started deducting a portion, and they can take like, 20% or something of the check for a student loan payment on a default. There we have a problem that continues to give. If you don't have it figured out what you're going to do with your student loan, it's going to come back to haunt you in a lot of ways. I heard our cue there that we're going to have to take a short break, and I know you've just got a few minutes uh, after the break to be with us. I'd like you to talk about when we come back, what are some of the things people can do to avoid having as much debt as they have or anything else you want to talk about. So this is Gordon Bennett with um, Money, Jobs, Health, and Other Things, and we'll be right back after a short break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? 
Listen for Be More, Achieve More, Inspiration for the Entrepreneurial Mind with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. This is Money, Jobs, Health, and Other Things of Life with Gordon Bennett. To speak with Gordon and this week's guest, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to goreben32 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. This is Gordon Bennett with my guest, Jeff Williams, talking about student loans. And since you've only got a few more minutes with us, Jeff, why don't you tell people how they can get more information? Let's start with that because we aren't going to cover all the facets of student loans. Right, right. Probably the easiest route is to go right to my site. It's Life's Cheat Sheets, and it's plural because, like I said, this is a series uh, – the launch book with crucial success habits, uh, School Never Taught You, is is one that actually has the first three books in it. You, you probably saw when you read the uh, read through the table of contents that there's a PAL system in there, and um, the, each of those uh, letters are one of the books, actually. So there's several coming out that are drafted in publishing uh, stages right now. So if you go to that site, you can actually get uh, uh, my free Success Tips Easing, sign up right on the right side of that uh, main page, and you'll also get an excerpt of this first book, one chapter of each of those uh, sections, right to your email just for uh, going on to the easing. I can tell the listeners that uh, this is really worthwhile doing. You know, you've got to invest in yourself, and knowledge is uh, to your benefit. And say again what that website is. It's Life's, L-I-F-E-S, Cheat, C-H-E-A-T, Sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S dot com. Okay, everybody ought to download what they can get there and browse around because there are a lot of lessons to be learned. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, someday uh, in the near future we're going to have you back for a little more time. But uh, meanwhile, uh, how do people deal with this debt? What, what are some I, of the things you advise? Sure. Some of the things I, I look at are much longer term, and, and again, starting in high school, is I would get some skills in high school, meaning uh, work certain jobs or, or even have your own uh, small business that you can then develop those skills and even carry that business on into college. So you can work during that um, or maybe even build your business there. And again, that will all help first of all, build some of your resume, but also help you pay for uh, any of those college expenses during so you don't build debt. Uh, you might still have a little, but you're not going to have anywhere near what you would if you just didn't do any of these things and didn't build up any reserves to begin with. But before you even need that 
that college money if you build up some income and start uh, putting that away in savings, different investment vehicles here that, that are not real risky but at least get you a return on investment. Um, if Once you learn the power of compounding interest, you'll understand how or why it's very wise to start doing it as early as you can and, and let it grow because uh, it will just continue to compound on itself and, uh, and grow dramatically over decades. But there are even other things like negotiation and barter skills we talked about, uh, Gordon, that, that are good things to know to get those expenses down and stretch as much of your dollar as far as you can. I had a technique when I was working. We'd go out to lunch, and a bunch of guys would go out to lunch, and they wanted to be have a person as a treasure. And I said, I'll act as a treasure, and I divided by less than the number of people there, which got me a free lunch. There you go. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's little things like that. You know, you just reminded me of something, uh, and I, I want to say to this to the listening people, what you start with, as small as it may be, can grow into something enormous. Several years ago, I met a gentleman named Fred DeLuca. Fred DeLuca was getting ready to go to college, and I think they had a barbecue in his backyard. And at the barbecue was a doctor, and he was wondering how he could finance his way through college. And the doctor said to him, I'll put you through college if you'll start a business, and I'll use the money, I'll give my money to help you start that business, and you can run it. Today, that business is called Subway. And Fred DeLuca is a, well, he has more money than God. But he started very modestly with a sandwich shop. And, you know, that's that's what you're asking people to do. Just start right. modestly. Mm-hmm. And, and you know from the financial planning you've done that um, compounding is, is a crazy uh, figure once it starts compounding itself over time if you just let it go. And even if you set aside $10, $15, $20 a week and just keep letting that set aside and put into something that will get a decent basic return but is fairly um, safe, it uh, can grow over time dramatically just like a mortgage grows and you see how much interest you'll pay over 30 years same way on the savings side in my class i pass out a compound interest table and i point out that nobody who is 55 years old wishes they had waited to start saving the difference in time that you have available to save is remarkable indeed right right uh isn't it who was it edison or somebody said the power of compounding is the fourth or fifth largest, uh, what is it, the learning phase or something of the world. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I mean, when you're 17 years old and you have a job part-time, take some of that money and invest it instead of taking that money to go buy a new video game, which you'll soon be tired of and want to buy another one. Hmm. Put that money aside just a little bit at a time. Get in the habit of being able to do things. I think that's great news. And that also goes right into the goal setting and achieving that's another one of the areas I I tend to uh, focus on because at least if you have a basic plan down of whatever wherever you want to go if that's focusing on college in this case from high school um, you get that plan down you set the action steps that you need to take to to achieve that and you take action and do it um, you can get so much more done written goals if uh, it's 95% 95% of the people that write their goals um, are the ones that achieve, the, whereas um, 
uh, actually it's the other way. It's 5% that do write their goals are the ones that achieve the 95% of the, of the tasks out there. And the other 95 that don't write their goals uh, are the ones that typically don't do much of them. So the message this time of year, a New Year's resolution is write it down and hold yourself accountable. Right, because once you see it on paper, your mind starts to picture it, and then it starts to go to work. Your subconscious actually starts to go to work for you. But it's the task of writing it and reading it regularly and focusing on that is what actually makes the, like I said, it's in 95.5. Harvard had done a study I've pulled before, and those 5% are the ones that get 95% of the stuff done. And it... I mean, we have before us the, a good example of that. Kennedy said, put a man on the moon by the end of the decade and return him safely to Earth. And we did it. There you go. But if that hadn't been stated and hey, people would hold you accountable for it, we probably wouldn't be there. Right, right. We don't so, have any goal right now. So what is it going to be? I see the time is that you're going to have to leave us. So right. uh, I'm going to have to run to my next appointment. But I appreciate uh, being on. And like I say, you anybody uh, can can get in touch with me right through the site uh, lifecheatsheets.com and sign up for that free easy and you get the free uh, excerpt and you will be on your way. Thank you very, very much, Jeff. This has been an enormously useful segment for myself and I think we'll have you back for a full hour sometime in the next month or so because I think you have a lot of wise tips for people and we've just got to keep hammering on them so that uh, we get through to more people. Right, comes at a good time when we get the goal setting here and uh, and we get into the new year. Okay, happy Take new care. year to you. Yeah, bye now. Bye. Now the second half of the hour, I have another guest. I don't know whether she's on yet or not. Pat, are you there? I'm here. You're there. Wow, uh, what, a, what, first... a, what, what a great guest you had. Yeah, he really was wonderful. I mean, I looking at the book he has written and his website and some of the things he's put down uh, that people can learn from him. I mean, we hear about this student loan stuff all the time, and he was really nice to be on the program. And we'll have him back because there's a lot more to talk about. So I think what we'll do the second hour, we're going to come up on a break here pretty soon, but we can get started. Uh, one of the things I want to talk about, we have a guest here, Pat Blyle. Uh, Dr. Blyle, uh, well, she's got a lot of credentials, so I'll just let it at that. And one of my principles of financial management is to invest for the future. So people thinking that I am an expert in how to make them a millionaire always ask me, what should I buy now? And so... I thought about that for a little bit, and I thought, you know, this show is pretty much a question-and-answer kind of a show. We interview authors and things like that, and I give answers. I don't give advice. I only give answers, and they're uh, they're biased. So what I want to do this time is turn it around. I want to let Pat ask me the questions that she has about investing. So, Pat, I'm going to... Uh, back and forth with you to see what kind of things are on your mind. Great. So, um, so first of all, as I said, what a fabulous guest you just had because uh, I am a college professor and I look all the time at these students and the, the pile of debt that they are amassing um, with their education. And although education is a very important thing, it would be great if there were some way that 
um, you know, we could we could save up all that money ahead of time and not have to then borrow it um, at the time that you're getting the education. So a lot of people talk about investing for, you know, for your education, investing for one thing or another. Um, let me start out first and just say, um, Gordon, what is an investment? Well, that's a very good question, and I think a lot of people need to know the answer to that. And it's one of the few things I think I have an answer for. An investment is some uh, process by which you spend your money to buy something else and you expect to get, notice I say expect to get, more back than you put into it. Now, you may get it back in a short period, like a payday loan, and you make those to your friends, or it may be something like raw land in the desert. But the key element is you expect to get back more. Anything else is a marketing gimmick. Okay, so then let me ask you. I see these ads all the time for things like either coin collections or dolls or paintings or something, and they talk about them as being a limited edition. So, you know, and, 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 and I guess the assumption there is, you know, oh, my gosh, it's going to be worth more in the future. So is something like that a good investment, or is that an investment at all? Well, <clears throat> I would say that it's probably not an investment. They've only made a couple million of them, so scarcity is not going to be involved. You are not going to live long enough to see them in demand because somebody else will be sold on something else. And while you may expect to get something back, many of these are just marketing ideas. You should enjoy what you buy, but don't expect to make a lot of money on it. One of the key things I ask is who is going to buy it and give you more money for it then you paid for it when they can get it new for X dollars. I heard the cue that the uh, half-hour break is coming up. So after the break, we will continue this exploration into some of the things that are truths about investments now that we know what they are. We'll be right back after this break. This is Gordon Bennett with Money, Health, Jobs, and Things of Life. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. This is Money, Jobs, Health, and Other Things of Life with Gordon Bennett. To speak with Gordon and this week's guest, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to goreben32 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. This is Gordon Bennett with my guest, Dr. Pat. And she is asking me some of the questions that I get all the time and see how I can answer them for the rest of the audience. Pat, yeah, what's on so, your mind? Uh, so thanks. So um, just uh, before we went to that break, we were talking about what is an investment. And uh, so I guess the, the con- conclusion there is that some of those things maybe that I bought a while ago because everybody said, oh, this is great, everybody wants them, keep that, save it, you know, you'll make money on it. Maybe it's some of those um, items that we see people on some of the their television shows that really aren't worth as much maybe as uh, we hope that they would be in the future. I think that's right. Okay, so then let me ask you the next question. Um, there, this is just such a big topic. What are what are just you know a few things that that I need about investing that you know that me or anybody else that needs to know? What are just kind of some basics that you can uh, you can tell us about? Well, you know, when I talk to people about investing, people think because I published a book and wrote about finance and know all about finance that somehow I can make them uh, all wise and I can uh, shake the money tree and it's going to fall down around their face feet, but. There's some things that you have to accept as reality. And uh, some people are not very realistic about investing. So one of the things they need to do is realize there are some, let's call them truths about us, that you've got to accept before you invest. And then you're just a little better emotionally uh, prepared for that. The first one I've got, uh, nobody can predict the future. Nobody can predict the future. Economists spend half of their time predicting the future and the other half telling you why it went wrong. <laughs> so that's one of the truths. Um, agree or disagree? Oh, obviously. Um, you know, and even where, you know, we think that something is going to happen a certain way, um, it doesn't always happen. I mean, you know, you can take something like the weather, you know, and even like the weatherman says, oh, it's going to be sunny. And, you know, so you're planning a vacation or you're planning a getaway in a couple of days, and lo and behold, uh, you know, things change just in a matter of a couple of days, and you get stuck in the middle of a blizzard or a hurricane. Um, so so obviously, even people who are as, um, as educated and, and study something like weather patterns can't even really predict what's going to happen in a couple of days. So, um, so you know, that's particularly true of, of finances. 
and I might add, our own individual lives. We might have a goal set for ourselves and thinking that we're going to do something and then, uh, you know, health or life or other things gets in the way and we have to change our path. Yeah, and finance exacerbates those decisions and things that happen to us. Life goes on and nobody can predict what the future will bring except maybe they can predict that something they didn't predict will happen. I know I was diagnosed with cancer a year and a half ago and it changed everything. Another truth, most people, I would say most people whom I know, hate to lose money. They might say they have a tolerance for risk, but when it comes down to it, they hate to lose money. And it keeps them from making any decisions at all. And you got to deal with that. you got to recognize that you probably hate to lose money. Oh, absolutely. You know what? I think we all work really hard for the money that we have. And it's funny that, that people will say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable taking some, this risk because I know I'm going to get this great return. You know, but if you really said, you know, but what if you didn't get that great return, then maybe they wouldn't be so happy, you know, with the risk up front. If they knew, if they really knew, you know, nope, it's not going to work out that way, then they wouldn't be so, um, you know, so enamored of, of uh, high risk. Um. Another truth that I think people should come to grips with before they start investing is inflation is likely. I am, well, I won't tell you how old I am, but I don't have to look back very far to realize that things today cost more than they cost in the past. And I've got a a plan for that in my investments. Give me some examples of inflation creeping up on us. Well, you know, it's it's easy, I think, sometimes when we can, you know, look back over years to when, uh, you know, I think when I was, uh, you know, first learning how to drive, you know, gas was like, oh, gosh, you know, maybe 50 cents a gallon or a dollar a gallon, and it certainly isn't that now. But you can even see um, inflation in the short term right now. I can go to the grocery store and just buy you know, kind of normal run-of-the-day stuff that I buy to have on hand in the store. I'm not, like, preparing for a big holiday meal or anything like that. I can't get out of the store anymore for what I used to be able to. Um, I can't get out of the grocery store for under $100 anymore, even if I feel like I'm just going in for a couple of things. That wasn't true a year ago. And, you know, and that is about inflation. And then gas is the same thing. You know, that goes up and down. But clearly, gas is, is, you know, a whole lot more to fill up my tank than it was a year ago. So I guess those are um, signs of inflation? Uh, Well, yeah, they are signs of inflation, yet the government says we don't have any inflation because we have zero percent interest. But they are things like groceries and gasoline are not included in the index. So you can probably pretty well take it to the bank that things are going to cost a lot more in the future, and you've got to prepare for it. Another truth that you have to accept before you start investing, everything can go up and everything can go down. Everything can go up and everything can go down. Good times are bad, and there's a lot written about how to pick, but the truth is, uh, since you can't forecast the future, you have to recognize that some things are going to go up and some things are going to go down. So what you're saying is not everything goes up all at the same time? That's, well, they don't go up at the same time. They don't go down at the same time. 
So even if uh, we're looking at a at a turnaround economically, I still have to be careful about the kinds of things I invest in because I might, you know, choose the wrong thing and and some things might actually decrease in value or go down as other things are growing. Yeah, we have a high stock market relatively now, but we also have a high bankruptcy rate. So some of the companies are doing really well and some are doing really bad. So picking the individual companies becomes a challenge, but you need to recognize in advance something is going to go up and something is going to go down. You can't forecast the future, and you may guess wrong. Uh, another thing, short-term decisions are different from long-term decisions. If you're going to have to have money in five years, that's different from money in 40 years. What are you going to invest for? Well, what if I want to? In, what if I have um, things that I I want to invest for long term and short term? I mean, you know, like I, I might be thinking about you know investing, you know, that your last guest was talking about, you know, college and these kids with their their um, the debt that they're accumulating, you know. So I've got a plan for that, but but I also have short term things like you know I got maybe I'm going to have to buy a new car or maybe you know I need to to save up an emergency fund for you know repairs on my house. Yeah, that's right. You have to plan your investment portfolio on the need to use the money at a time specific. And that's something that is just a reality. You have to do different things for different time periods. Another one I have written down, and this is a good one, because I know lots of people who have a lot of cash. But if you do nothing with your cash, you have also made a decision and it is a form of decision. As bad as things can get, it might even be worse. So meaning, so maybe you can explain that a little bit more. So if I do nothing, um, you know, if I, so if I just leave things, I mean, obviously, if I just leave things like in a money market, and, and right now it's like it's not getting any interest, um, you know, essentially I have made a decision. I've made a decision not to invest someplace else. Yeah, that's it. In other words, if you held on the cash, if you buried the cash, you're stuck it in your mattress, you would be guaranteed to getting it back because you've hidden it from any prying eyes. But at the same time, remember we said one of the things is inflation is inevitable. So if you do nothing except hang on to your cash, remember, what does it say in the Bible, I believe, uh, the, the three men, uh, one invested the money, one saved the money, and the third uh, did something else with it. And the best one was the one who invested, not the one who just uh, returned the same amount of money after a period of time. Uh, and that's equally true today. Uh, so a decision not to invest is one form of decision, and it carries its own unique risks. That is, if you hide a dollar and find it in 10 years, it will buy less than it will buy today. So it's That's actually, so so doing something like, like that, just hiding your money or keeping it under the mattress, um, it's actually not even going to be worth the same thing it is today. It's going to decrease in value. Yeah, it, it does. It, exactly. It decreases in value. And that shows you the interaction of these things. If you believe that inflation is going to take place, but that you can't exist or can't forecast the future, uh, and some things go up and some things go down, uh, if you don't do anything, that doesn't solve the problem. You have to 
take each of those factors into consideration. And when we talk about uh, specific investment strategies, that brings into play diversity. You put your money in different places at different times. And we won't talk about that today, but that will be a subject of a future program, is by diversifying you do something, but you have to realize that you may have some losses and some gains, and there are ways to minimize that. So after the uh, break that's coming up here, what we're going to do is I'm going to run down a list of things that most financial planners ask people before they spend a penny of their money in a specific investment. So after the break, we'll be back with Dr. Pat. And uh, this is Gordon Bennett bringing you jobs, health, and money, and other things of life. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. What are the reasons that over three-quarters of small businesses fail within three years? Why do 70% of U.S. women-owned businesses make less than $50,000 a year? What causes mid-sized companies to stagnate? Although today many fundamentals of business remain the same, there are critical current changes that are not being acknowledged, and the result is costly. Tune in to Moving Forward with host Jen Sabin. We'll discuss the core reasons and plans of action to keep your business moving forward. Listen Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. This is Money, Jobs, Health, and Other Things of Life with Gordon Bennett. To speak with Gordon and this week's guest, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to goreben32 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. This is Gordon Bennett, and with me is my guest, Dr. Pat, and we're talking about investments. And actually, we're talking about pre-investment strategies, things you've got to be aware of, truths you have to understand, because your expectations have to be based in the reality of the times. And that's what we talked about the last time. We can't predict the future. People hate to lose. Inflation is likely, and all those sort of things. So, just as today, I was talking to a financial planner, and I asked her, what are some of the things you ask people if they're going to be investing some money before you spend a dime? Uh, 
Pat, I think you were in on that conversation. What are some of the things that she asked? Well, um, actually, I'm going to turn this around and I'm going to let you ask them. So, you know, you, you gave me a lot of information uh, in the last segment, um, and it's, it's pretty complicated. I mean, there's a lot of things that I need to know. Um, but given all of that about how, you know, we can't predict tomorrow and things are risky, et cetera, et cetera, and, uh, you know, my question to you would be, what should I invest in? And I think then you said, uh, based on that, you actually would have some questions. So if I'm thinking about <laughs> investing, um, you know, what what are some, some things that you would want to know or, or what are some things that I should be asking myself? Okay, and these are questions, by the way, you should ask a financial planner and you should have spent some time asking them over yourself in advance because they are certainly going to ask you these things. One of the first things, why are you investing? Now, right, you can and be so, inve- you know, like as I said in the last segment, um, you know, there there are a number of things. Um, you know, I've started a second career, but, you know, I want to think about being able to retire in, in maybe 10 years. But I also, you know, have been thinking about, you know, maybe wanting to buy a new car or I've got some uh, some improvements I want to do on my home. I want to get my floors refinished and, you know, maybe some new carpeting or stuff. So, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to have to be saving some money for those kinds of things, you know, as well as for my retirement. It's hard to be able to do both. Well, you've got multiple needs. You might want to retire, but you want to buy some things. So uh, short-term investments to buy things and intermediate investments to uh, buy something a little farther out. But you have to decide uh, when you're going to and why you're investing money. Another question. Do you have any idea of how much you're going to need to carry out these goals that you want? You know, really, I don't. I mean, particularly on the retirement thing. That's always a really, you know, complicated question. How much money do I need to have saved up if I really want to be able to retire? So the car, I mean, that's pretty easy. Maybe, you know, maybe I need to have $20,000 for the car that I'm thinking about buying. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking I might need that, I don't know, you know, in a few years. I don't need it right away. Um, but the other one is really hard hard to answer. Um. Which leads to another question. How much money do you have to invest? If you show up at a broker's house, uh, office and say, I'd like you to tell me what to invest in, if you have $10 million, he will probably give you an answer different from if you have $20,000. I know that one of my friends recently had a client who had $10 million, and he kept telling the client, you need to invest this money. And the client said, Why? He had enough money for everything he wanted to do. He didn't need to invest it at all. So one of the questions you ask, how much money do you have to invest? Well, it would be nice to be able to say I have $10 million and I don't really need any more. But unfortunately, I think most of us aren't in that situation. My mom did pass away this year and um, and she left me a small inheritance. So I guess, you know, I might, um, you know, first want to say I'm not quite sure what to do with that. And... Um, you know, it's not a lot, but um, you know, let's say it's let's say it's one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Actually, I guess that is a pretty good chunk of change. Um, so that's about how much I have to invest from what my mom left me. Well, uh, again, there's a lot of questions you need to ask, and I get asked all the time. I won't be able to cover it in detail on this, but uh, what do I do with that when I have alternate things? If you, it's it's harder to give people advice on fifty thousand dollars. And by the way, I do not give advice 
I merely teach people to ask the right questions like, how do you get paid? And what is in it for you? How much skin do you have in the game? So if you've got $150,000 to invest, my first question then would be, <clears throat> when do you need to use that money? Are you going to work another 10 years? Or are you going to retire tomorrow? It will determine the investment based on that alone. Right. Lends- so I guess that's a question I still haven't answered for myself. Maybe I need to do a little <laughs> bit more thinking before uh, I can make a really good decision as to how to invest this. Because what you're saying is if I say, oh, yeah, I'm going to work for another 10 years, that'd be real different than if I said, you know what, I'd like to retire early. How about five years from now? Yeah, that's right, or something in between. And when does Social Security kick in and all these other things? Which leads me to another thing, and this is an indelicate question because you're never supposed to ask it of a woman. But one of the questions a financial planner will ask you, how old are you? Now, you don't need to answer that, but there's a lot different if you're 25 years old or 55 years old. So one of the questions is, how old are you, which leads into when do you need the money? Right, so I'm I'm not 25. I'm, I guess I'm closer to the other number. Okay, but that's just a rhetorical question. But everybody needs to know that when somebody asks me a simple question, how would you invest this money today? I'd say, what matters to you? And how old is one of those things? Now, this is a good one. And uh, uh, the financial advisor I was talking to today uh, gave me a kind of an insight into this. One of the truths that we talked about in the last half segment was what is your appetite for risk? Most people hate to lose money. I mean, that's just a given. Most people would tell you they are very risk aversive, but we have to accept some risk. And one of the ways she finds out what people's risk tolerance is, how do you personally feel when things don't go right that you plan whether it be a picnic or some money you invested. How do you really feel in bad situations? Yeah, I guess I don't like it. I like to have, uh, you know, more control, I, I, I suppose. Um, I hate to lose money. I mean, it works hard for it. Um, I, I'm a whole lot um, better if, you know, again, it's like, well, you know, we were going to go on a picnic and it rained. I can deal with that, but I don't think I could deal with, losing a lot of money. And one of the reasons is I don't have a lot of time, you know, in my career left to accumulate money. Yeah, you see, that that's another thing. You can make a mistake and take more risk when you're young. But as you get older, you can't make up for bad decisions. And remember, we can't forecast the future. So I like her way of uh, talking about uh, if you talk about the emotional feelings you have for losing things, is it devastating or do you get on with life? How you handle those losses really governs because even the best financial planners don't beat the average half the time. Um, another question, are you in debt? Right. Um, that's a big one. And uh, I guess I'm very fortunate in that I'm not. But, you know, that's a question that people ask a lot, um, you know, particularly if you're in a situation like where I am, that you just got an inheritance. And, um, you know, you've got some things you want to do with it, you want to save, but you're also in debt. So, you know, how do you, how do you make that decision? Yeah, the, uh, I, I run a class in financial planning, and that question comes up all the time. If somebody inherits, let's say, twenty-five or $30,000, and they also have 
credit card debt, they've got a car finance, they got a mortgage on their house. What should they do with that money? Should they pay down some debt or should they invest it or a combination thereof? I usually recommend that people sit down and it's up to them with pencil and paper. Remember, if you pay off a 10% debt, effectively you have had a return of 10%, which is more than you can get in an investment. So getting out of debt is one of the things that you might want to do, but you might want to put some of the money to get into investment habit. And so I suggest maybe splitting it half and half or a third, a third, a third, so that you form the habit. Now, uh, time has come to say goodbye to everybody. So if you want more information, you can email us or you can go on my website, which is ptff.net, ptff.net, Path to Financial Freedom, ptff.net. On there, you will find information about my book, Give Yourself a Raise. You can ask us questions. You can send some questions, which I will pass on to the uh, guests we had earlier and the guests we have now. And I think we've just about run out of time. So with that, I'll say thank you very much, Dr. Pat. And uh, I won't be able to say thank you, but I want to express my thanks to the guests we had in the first half hour. And I'll see you again next week, same time. Thank you for listening to Money, Jobs, Health, and Other Things of Life. Please join your host, Gordon Bennett, again next Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This week, are you going to make a bad choice or a great choice with your money? Come back next week for more.